0: Thank you for listening to the south bay bible church podcast we are a gospel-centered family and we want you to know about the good news of jesus christ so stay tuned for this week's message all right thank you worship team for leading us in worship thank you for joining and um you know spending your sunday mornings with us on zoom together And, uh, yeah, good morning. Good morning. It's good to, good to, um, gather together, um, as a church. You know, last week I, uh, we had Pastor Brian from Lord's Grace give a message and I was so blessed by that. But I was also blessed to have time and space, um, to, to, to not write a sermon, but to spend some time in reflection, (laughs) actually. And, um, you know, time flies. That's, that was a, that was where my reflection went. So it's not a very like profound thing. It's just a very cliche thinking, but time flies. It feels like we've been in this shelter in place mode forever. But we look down, you look up again, it's August. <laughs> so happy August to, to everyone out there. Happy August. It's, you know, summer is drawing to a close, you know, surely it will be over soon. Um, But yeah, one other thing, time flies, you know, it's just the other day we think about it's March and now it's August and the NBA is back in, back, back in season. And um, you know, the other way that time flies is my kid turned two, (laughs) my son turned two years old this past week. And, uh, you know, that just sends you as a parent, a new parent, um, your first kid turning two, it also sends all the gears turning like, Wow. You know, time really flies. I, you know, one of the crazy things is, uh, what a you know blessing in disguise shelter in place has been. You know, obviously, you know, thinking about my son turning two, uh, what's the what's the way you describe a two-year-old? Terrific two. No, <laughs> it's a terrible twos, right? And for sure, Zachary has been very terrible in certain ways. You know, more tantrum-y, not eating well, um, but and it's been such a blessing in disguise to have Liz, Zachary, and I all together, just the three of us here at home, um, where we get to see him grow and explore new things and to be inquisitive and to, you know, challenge us in certain ways. And we're not missing these moments because we're, we're busy or away from him. Um, and it's it's really a blessing. Um you're thinking about all of that also got me thinking, like, wow, it just feels like yesterday I was just graduating college, feels like yesterday I was in high school, feels like yesterday I was, you know, in New Jersey as an elementary school student, and, you know, as I was, uh, we were celebrating his birthday this past week, and it, it made me think about how, you know, my parents celebrated our birthdays growing up, and just all this, you know, just great memories of this, like, the, the good old days, you know, nostalgic thinking about my childhood and everything else. Uh, but through all of that, one, one clear line of thought, you know, I, I believe God was just, you know, telling me more about himself as I had this space, not writing a sermon last week to, to reflect. Um, really, I was just seeing how God was orchestrating just my life, and I know he's he's God on a cosmic scale. He's orchestrating everything. But I could see him orchestrating things even in my own life. How how he brought my parents together and brought them to the states here. How he raised me and, and he brought brought me and my sister around the country and um, and now you know back here you know ordering my steps all the way until I get to see this little two year old running around wrecking havoc in my house. You know. It's a, it's a real gift from God you know how the steps it took the, the, the way that God has led me through all of these and now I'm just so blessed to have this family have this family of Liz and 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 uh, Zachary and and you know my immediate family but to have you guys my, my gospel center family just the the way that God has worked everything so that we are here so that you're here where you are. God is faithful and uh he's ordered my life to get to this point. He's been faithful. Now he's gonna be faithful ten years from now. I believe, uh, you know, as I was thinking, looking back, nostalgia, you know, like, oh the nineties are so good, oh the two thousands are so good. Um actually there's a there's a funny tangential thing here for uh, if any of you have like YouTube, Spotify, you wanna to listen to some good old worship music. Shane and Shane released the album called Vintage, which is all the songs that, you know, we grew up singing. So like, you know, our, we're vintage now. But um, <laughs> um what was I going? I distracted myself. Even in a recorded sermon, I can distract myself. This is great. <laughs> what was I saying? You know, thinking in this nostalgic way, how God has been faithful, you know, 10 years ago, all the way till now, um, 15 years ago, all the way till now. One day we're going to look back on the year 2020. We're going to look back and see how God was faithful, how it was a shift in the way that we saw Him and the way we saw ourselves, how we saw the way that we we, we did church and the way that we outreached to the community. We're going to see that shift and we're going to see the fruit of that. We're going to see how God has been so faithful in the middle of these very, very difficult times. And we're going to look back on the year 2020 and with nostalgia, with a little bit of, you know, maybe you know, pain, but just remembering how far God has led us. And, uh, you know, we're almost to the end of this book, First John. We're at the last chapter, um, almost to the end of the chapter. Um, but as we've been looking, and, you know, the reason why, you know, I landed on this sermon series, essentials, because back in March, you know, when we started this, it was really just about um, going about life, doing the essential things of life. And what better way and what better time to look at the essentials of our faith than right now. And so as we, we draw to a close, as we land this plane of what's essential to our faith, um, you know, today's message is going to be, I hope, just a reminder for all of us who have gone to church, but it's about the gospel of Christ and everything, everything is about Jesus. And so, um, yeah, let's go into it with a word of prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. God, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. Yeah, God, I thank you for choosing, choosing us, guiding our steps, ordering our life. God, um, to prepare this church to be a family for one another, to to give us brothers and sisters in Christ. God, um, and and it's it's no accident that God we are here. We believe that you are working in our lives, and so I pray right now, God, for all the, the doubts and the distractions and all the pain that we're carrying, all the burdens on our hearts, God, uh, the ways in which that God, we need you to show up in our lives. God, I pray that you would speak to them at this moment, that your spirit, God, would be, you know, encountering us in a way that only you can, because you have a message for every single person here, a message that I haven't even prepared, God, but it's a message that you are ready ready to give. So God give us open hearts to receive from you. In Christ in my prayer amen. Amen. 1 John chapter 5. We're going to go from verse 6 all the way to verse 12 today. First John chapter 5 verse 6. It says this. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it's the spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So, like I said, this is extremely essential for us as believers, as the church, to get on the same page about what is, you know, where, where does our faith rest upon? And um, so let's go through this, starting from verse 6 together. It says this, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And we're going to talk about this very quickly um, because this can trip people up a lot. Uh, water and blood. Water and blood. What does that symbolize? What is John talking about? It's not very clear here. So let me clarify it for us today. Water and blood. Water refers to the baptism of Jesus, the beginning of his ministry as recorded in the Gospels. We know that um, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, a different John, which is also confusing. But Jesus's ministry on earth began with a public baptism, meaning that he came by water, a water baptism. He was baptized in the wilderness. But what does blood refer to? Blood refers to the crucifixion, the death of Jesus. Um, he died on the cross, and that concluded his earthly ministry by, you know, the blood, his death, death and resurrection. Um, so this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And here John, the author of 1 John, makes a point to emphasize that, you know, Jesus did not just come uh, as, you know, someone who was baptized, but he was also his ministry included his death on the cross. And, you know, for, you know, people have read into this, and it's it's kind of confusing, but the most clear way to describe this is the way, the reason why the author John is emphasizing water and blood is because some people who probably split away from the church of John, you know, that he was pastoring, um, they they canceled that part of the gospel they only accepted the part of the gospel where jesus was baptized by water and they dif- they distanced and separated the ministry of jesus from the death of jesus and so what john is saying here what john is saying here is that both the baptism the beginning of jesus's life matters but also the end of jesus's life matters as well on the cross you cannot separate the two you need to believe in the one who came by water the baptism the beginning of his ministry and by blood his death on the cross Uh, you cannot separate it there's no only choosing one and saying this didn't really happen but as it was recorded in the scriptures and the gospels um, this is what took place. This is the one who came by water and by blood. And continuing on, the Spirit. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. Now, what is that? That's a little bit confusing too, right? And the Spirit who testifies. The Spirit could mean is, is obviously the Holy Spirit, the one who speaks, right? Because the Spirit is truth. But what is John referring to here? What is John referring to here? Um, the Spirit is, is the truth and uh for for a jewish person back in the in the biblical time here um what they were probably thinking of when john says this is not just the holy spirit the person that we know the one who indwells us but is they're also thinking of prophets the ones who speak prophetically by the spirit speaking the word of god and so it is the spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth so that has the overtones of the holy spirit but also contains the overtones of the the whole prophetic literature the whole messianic prof- prophecies that jesus and his life in his in his birth and his ministry and in his death and resurrection all of the prophets all of the spirits all the all of that testifies to Jesus as well. So the water and the blood and the spirit, the spirit that is the truth. But also the spirit speaking through the apostles, the, the ones who wrote the gospels, right? The the people that recorded the, the life and, and ministry of Jesus, um they were they were inspired by the spirit and they speak the spirit speaks through them through their written gospels. And so continuing on in verse 7. For there are three that testify. One, two, three. Water, blood, and spirit. The spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. So very quickly, why is that? You know, what is John talking about? The three that testify. Again, for someone who is in this biblical uh framework, thinking about things in the biblical, you know, this time period, they're thinking about, you know, what constitutes something that is legitimate, a legitimate witness. Um, we look in the Old Testament for for this. Deuteronomy chapter 19 verse 15, it says this, one witness is not enough to convict anyone accused of any crime of, or offense they may have committed. Basically, you, if one person convicts someone of stealing or adultery, of something else, of murder, that, that doesn't hold up. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three three witnesses meaning that you need to have corroboration between more than just a single source and that's what John's referring to here there are three that testify of who Jesus is the spirit the spirit that is the truth the all the holy spirit the third member of the trinity but also all of the prophetic literature that in, the spirit inspired all of that speaks to the truth of who Jesus is but also the water and the blood, meaning the, the baptism, the beginning of Jesus' life, and then the blood, the death, the way that it ended. Jesus's life ended on the cross, but ultimately how he was buried and raised again. All of those things, the, the whole life of ministry of Jesus, the life, ministry, and death of Jesus, the spirit, the prof, the prophetic literature, all of that testifies to who Jesus is. And I hope that, you know, this is review for a lot of us here. Um, but what is it saying here? You must be, you have to be gospel-centered. I Meaning, you can't just take one part of the gospel and take, take it out of context, but it's the whole thing, the water and the blood, right? And just the, you read the Old Testament and it all points to Jesus as well. You we look at all of these things. Pointing to who Jesus is, the truth of that we can keep going. Verse 9, we accept, John is talking third, uh, plural, third person, first person here. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which He has given about His Son. We stop there very, you know, this is pretty straightforward, right? Um, the uh, John is saying God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God and. Just real quickly here, Deuteronomy 19, talking about one witness, that's the human testimony that John's talking about. We accept human testimony if there's just three of us, right? You know, if one person says it, no. No. Two people say it, we'll consider it. three people say it, yes, we accept it. And John's saying that yes, we accept human testimony just because there's three humans <laughs> saying the same thing. And but John's saying, of course, God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God. And is God greater than three people? <laughs> is God greater than me, Liz, and Zach? <laughs> I think he is. And if you have any questions about that. You know, I hope I can correct you on that. But God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, right? It's just kind of this circular thinking here, but it's so obvious. Uh, But what is the testimony of God, which he has given about his son, Jesus Christ? And here's where it gets, uh, where we get it applied to us. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And so very, very black and white. John is painting a a line in the sand here. You either are on the side that believes in God's testimony about Jesus or you you don't believe about God's testimony about Jesus and therefore, you call God a liar. And you know, as we we've gone through this in in First John, um, I want to make this point clear, because I've seen this rise up in me as a as a long you know been a Christian my whole life type of thing, um, where we draw a line in the sand because we see lines in the sand all throughout Scripture. Um, and as a Christian today, a modern-day Christian, we draw lines in the sand all the time. <laughs> but oftentimes what I see is that the lines in the sand are not the lines in the sand that are are found in Scripture. For one, one thing, I could call it is just we draw a line in the sand because of culture. We draw a line in the sand because of preference. Back in the 2000s, you know, nostalgic trip, guys, um, as we were th- just transitioning into... Um, you know, uh, growing this church and thinking about, you know, w- different ways to, to worship. And it was the height of the worship wars, um, in, in American churches where, uh, you know, where people were, you know, not for guitars used in worship, not use not, they didn't want piano or, or drums or any modern type of sound. But then there was another group of people that wanted, like, a rock concert. And, um, you know, this became a line in the sand. Uh, People were standing on one side, be like, no, we must only sing songs like this, or we must only sing songs like this. But you don't see that type of line in the sand in scripture. What do you see where scripture draws a line in the sand? Whoever believes in the Son of God. Accepts this testament. Hoover does not believe God has made him out to be. That's the line in the sand, guys. It's not about how loudly you're singing, whether you're singing like this or you're singing like this. It doesn't matter if you sing Bethel or you sing hymns. It doesn't matter. Where's the line in the sand? It's what you believe Jesus to be. Do you believe that he's the Son of God? Good. Then you are a saved person. We can keep going. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Another line in the sand here, explaining the consequences of your belief. This is the testimony, right? God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. You know, ding, ding, ding. You should think about one very famous very, very famous verse in the scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the testimony. God has given us eternal life and the life that he's given us is in his son. So who? if we have Jesus, if we believe in Jesus, if we have faith in Jesus as our savior, we have life life eternal, life that does not end here on earth. But if we don't believe in Jesus, if we don't have the Son of God, then we don't have life. That's that's the line in the sand, guys. And I hope that this is just a reminder for all of you, because what are we at South Bay Bible Church? We are a gospel-centered church, meaning that Every single Sunday for worship service, we hope to, you know, proclaim this gospel truth that God loves you so much that He gave His Son to die on the cross so that if you believe in Him, you believe in this testimony of of who Jesus is, that you will not die, that you will not perish, but you will live forever. You will live with God forever. And that is what it means to be gospel-centered. That that's the line in the sand that you draw. And so in unprecedented times, we, the church, we need to be and remain gospel-centered. The church needs to remain gospel-centered. That's the line in the sand that we need to draw. And so thinking about all of this and um, you know, thinking about uh, how we are to remain gospel centered. And I think that, you know, as we are sheltered in place, it's, it's a, it's a crazy year to be sheltered in place because this is also an election year, meaning that, you know, people are, are campaigning, you know, appealing to our values and our identity and our culture and our ethnicity even, um, so as we're bombarded with all these messages, you know, identity politics and culture wars and all of these things that are happening around us, we need to ask ourselves, how does, you know, X, how does this message, how does this particular issue, how does this fall in line with the message of the gospel? How does this fall in line with the message of the gospel? And, um, you know, uh, you, you as I, as, I, as I propose this question, um, you know, what we have to ask ourselves even more than this is, do the current movements of culture and society fall in line under the gospel, the teachings of Jesus, or do they undermine and go against the gospel, right? So how does, how does reopening church or choosing to do church this way on Zoom and online fall in line with the message of the gospel for, for some churches, it's very much a, a, you know, you know, John MacArthur's church in in Southern California made this huge, I would say very reckless decision to reopen church in the middle of this second wave of coronavirus and, um, made headlines and he opened church and my, my father-in-law actually watched the service out of morbid curiosity. And, um, you know, the The government down in Southern California threatened to uh, shut them down, to turn off the power, and you know, for for that church, they decided that meeting in person, meeting together physically, is a necessity to the gospel. But for us, we made a different different call here, meaning that I can and we can worship together, proclaim the gospel online, without putting those at risk, at risk. And so we. this is the way that I want us to think. And um, I was talking with my wife about um, uh, shallow versus deep Christianity. And I think that's kind of a, a weird distinction to make. Uh, but we were driving and, uh, you know, for, for most of shelter in place, I'll tell you this uh, Zachary, our, our kid, uh, we, we stopped going to church, right? Because of, we stopped driving to San Jose. We stopped, um, driving to, you know, everywhere and we were just at home. And so when we got into the car every time, you know, in, in March, April, May, pretty much all the way till June, um, actually all the way till this week, <laughs> um, every time we went more than like five, 10 minutes, he would, he would yak. He would, he would just every time. And, It just got to be so frustrating, because we could never even go out farther than, like, driving farther than, like, 15 minutes without him, you know, just, you know, feeling, like, yeah. And as a parent, it breaks your heart. You don't want to see your kid go through that. But, um, yeah, what what was I going to... Oh, so... We worked it up. <laughs> we went on slightly longer car trips each time, and you know, uh, eventually he got he built up his uh, his uh, his tolerance for <laughs> for car trips, and we were able to to drive a little bit more. And so you know, just this past week, I was talking with Liz as we were driving pretty far. We were driving, and um, you know, she was probably falling asleep as I was talking. <laughs> no, if you know, I don't I don't take it personally. But um, I was talking about we were no, I but we we were talking about there's you know, this distinction between shallow Christianity and, and, and deep Christianity, so we were thinking about or I was thinking about what's the difference really between shallow Christians and real Christians? I mean there's already a lot of uh, there's already a lot of self-righteousness in that old statement, but the the truth of the matter is the gospel is not and it's not hard to understand. It's hard to accept and it's hard to to live out, but it's not hard to really understand. Um, you know, we just said it in John chapter in John three sixteen, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the, if there's nothing else. That's the gospel, right? So shallow and 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 real Christianity. Um, you know, to me. It's, it's, it's not a matter of, of how much you know, how, how many fancy theological words you can throw out in your prayers or in your Bible studies. But it's really about where the rubber meets the road. When, when you think about the, the, the world around you and, and the things that are all vying for your allegiance and for your vote, you ask yourself, how does this fall in line with the message of the gospel? That's where I believe Shallow Christianity falls apart and quote-unquote real Christianity thrives. It is when you internalize the message and teachings of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the message of the gospel, that God loves us so much that he gave his only son to die on the cross for us, that we believe in him, we will not perish, we will not die, but we will have everlasting life. We think about Jesus's work and and the ministry of 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 Jesus, and you know, it on on the big picture scale, it's it's he he God loved us, he came and he died and he rose again. That's the message of the gospel. The, all the teachings of Jesus, the way that he talked about uh, standing up for for those who are poor and meek and persecuted. We think about the teachings of Jesus. Which side does he, his teachings fall on? We and then we bring that into our modern day, our life today, and that's where I think shallow Christians can become real Christians in a split second when they think about things in a way that falls in line with the message of the gospel. Not in the same, not in the way that they they know more words to say, or they or they, um, you know, know all the fancy ways to describe salvation or justification of all these other things. But can they in the, in, in the time that they spend in the word and in the intimacy of the relationship with God, allow that to just not be this thing between God and us, but also between, you know, ourselves and our families and our, and our communities and our households and our culture and our, you know, our country. And that's where it becomes Gospel-centered, when everything, all the other relationships in our in our life and in this world, are all centered around what Jesus, the life of Jesus. Because if we have Jesus, we have life. And so I want to just, um, you know, we have to be willing. You know, thinking nostalgically. You know, past you know, ten years ago, I was in college and I was a member of university. But five years ago, I wasn't, you know, a college student then, but five years ago, University already aligned themselves with the Black Lives Matter movement. And you're like, oh, wow, how prescient. But actually, it was very controversial at the time because um, they, they stood with Black Lives Matter. They allied, allied themselves with Black Lives Matter 2015, five years ago. And they were met with huge backlash because they, they aligned themselves with this movement. And, you know... You know, university did their, did their homework. They they thought about this with a, a gospel perspective. And they, they looked at the teachings of Scripture and of Jesus. And they, they, they came to a conclusion that Scripture is very clear about the sanctity of life, meaning that they're both pro-life and all these other things, but they're also committed to uh, the life of their black students. And, um, you know, five years ago, this was a very, very controversial thing to do. 2020, right now, every Christian is seemingly posting about this and applauding this movement. Um, But at the time, they did what they had to do. They, They stood with this movement. 2015, they did it because they were thinking about their life, their relationships, in a way that was centered around the gospel. They also did this next year. They 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 asked all their university staff to choose a stance about sexuality. So not only were they talking about social justice and the Black Lives Matter movement, they were also talking about our own identity and our own sexuality, thinking about that in a gospel-centered way. And that was met with a lot of backlash, not from the church, but from you know mainstream culture and and news outlets and other people. And they had, to do, they had to, you know, count the cost and do their homework and think about these issues in a, a way that was gospel-centered. And, uh, and they, they stood their ground. Um, and they faced the consequences of that, too. Uh, they faced a lot of negative publicity because of this. Um, but they did what they knew that they had to do, to remain glorifying to God in the way that they interpreted Scripture and remain gospel-centered. So in, in unprecedented times, the church today needs to be and remain gospel-centered. And, you know, as I think about this and as I try to internalize this for myself, you know, we call ourselves a gospel-centered family. And I and I pray that, um, you know, as we, we, f- we meet with each other through, you know, online and through Zoom, I hope that there's always... You know, this hope that we all hold together, not just a, a time where we gather together and, and complain about how, how much suffering we're going through or, you know, uh, how much pain we're in or how terrible life is, but as we remain gospel-centered about who Jesus is, the gift that God has given to us in His Son. That we will be over people overflowing because we're a gospel centered family, not a pain centered family. Because we're a gospel centered family, we'll be a church and a people and a family that are loving and hopeful and joyful in the midst of these unprecedented times. And uh, even thinking about just the way that, you know, <laughs> uh, you know I, God has been so faithful. And I'm just grateful for the past week where I got to just rest in his faithfulness. Even just seeing my kid turn two and thinking about you know my my experiences um, leading up to today and leading up to being a part of this gospel Center family. And I just know that God will be faithful, that he will deliver us, and that we are in difficult times right now. But we're going to get through this because of God's faithfulness. And we're going to look back on the year 2020 and see this as a time where God shifted our church culture, the way that He has shifted even just the broader American culture to be less selfish, to be more loving, to be more dependent on Him and each other, not so self-reliant. And we're going to see maybe even ways that revival takes place and, and we just become more and more in love with God and spend more time in intimacy with Him in worship and in prayer and in service to Him and others, and you know, 2020 might be the beginning of that. We can look back and be like, wow, remember this year. Remember how faithful God was. And so no better time, no better, no better time to to double down on being centered on the gospel, of Jesus Christ being our cornerstone. And so as I close this message, I just want to encourage you all that you know there's it's good to to have a conscious uh, conscience about um, values and issues in our, in our modern day society, be it an election topic, a political, you know, um, I, I'm blanking on the term right now, uh, you know, those, those hot topics politically. Um, but be it any of these things that, you know, we can get swept up in on social media or in culture or reading about it in the news, um, or even seeing it on like the jerseys of the NBA players or whatever it is. It's okay to be passionate about these things. It's it's also actually pretty cool. Um, but let's also filter it through the gospel. All of life needs to be filtered through that so that we can say with integrity, with a godly integrity, that we believe and put our name behind this because we we are witnesses, not just of these movements, of these hashtags, but ultimately we witness to Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So i I ask you to think about things in a gospel point of view as we end today's service and go on in our our you know regular lives um, think about things from a gospel point of view. Let's pray, God, I thank you again for this time where we can um yeah, just be reminded be reminded of the truth, the truth that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. And if we believe in him, we will not perish, but we will live with you forever. So God, we thank you that we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear, um, we don't have to fear, you know, COVID. We don't have to fear backlash from this world because, God, our uh, our life is secure in you. our 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 eternal salvation is secure in you. We will be with you forever, and we thank you for that. Thank you for the freedom that you've given to us to live for you. Thank you for the purpose that you've instilled our lives with so that we can see and be agents of your love and healing everywhere that we go. And so, God, I pray right now, uh, just in expectation for the way that you will deliver and and answer our prayers, Um, thinking five years from now, ten years from now, how much has changed and how faithful you have been. God, we thank you for the ways that you will come through Thank you for the ways that you will deliver us. And so God, we root ourselves in you. We root ourselves in your son because we have your son, we have life. We thank you for the life that you've given to us. Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.